chapter three sections eight through ten of the marvels of divine grace by alice lady lovett this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter three on the effect and fruits of divine grace section eight sanctifying grace brings with it the supernatural helps of the holy ghost which go by the name of actual graces even when in a state of grace we require a special attraction and instigation of the holy ghost in order to perform a supernatural good work the natural faculties of the soul cannot pass into active operation without a stimulus from without which rouses them from inaction and since the supernatural power cannot be aroused into action by a natural cause the holy ghost who has given us the power must also move it to develop itself and this influence we call actual grace it is necessary for the holy spirit to animate these germs of virtue with his breath and inspiration and to diffuse his own light and heat into them to develop a divine life in them moreover we must by the acts that we perform in the state of grace rise continually higher ever ascending to a higher state of grace but this we are unable to do alone even with the grace we already possess because no one can be raised above his condition without the help of a higher agency the divine spirit therefore must prompt us to aspire to a higher degree of grace and assist us to reach it for this the seven gifts of the holy ghost are not sufficient they indicate a condition and are therefore dormant qualities of our soul until they are brought into activity by him the gifts of the holy ghost make a pliant instrument of our soul but we need the master hand to play upon it and so bring out its virtue and harmony again every man in the state of justice requires actual grace not only for the performance of supernatural good works but in order to resist temptation to grave sin and also to avoid the constant temptation to venial sin sanctifying grace makes us children of god as such we may rightly expect from our heavenly father the help of his holy spirit to develop and foster our supernatural life and guide us in all our ways by grace we are made living members of christ and christ as the council of trent tells us incessantly imparts his strength to the justified as the head imparts strength to the members and the vine to its branches and their good works are preceded and accompanied and followed by his strength and without it they could in no wise be meritorious to god or acceptable this assistance is a staff placed in our hands and remains in our possession as long as we ourselves do not cast it away when we are in a state of grace the holy ghost dwells in us as in a temple he constantly speaks to our heart 
teaches us every truth urges us to the pursuit of all good warns us against sin strengthens us in the hour of danger and supports us when we stumble or are about to fall thus are the words of scripture verified in us the lord led him about and taught him and he kept him as the apple of his eye as the eagle enticing her young to fly and hovering over them he spread his wings and hath taken him and carried him on his shoulders deuteronomy chapter thirty two verses ten and eleven section nine grace besides making us true children of god gives such a value to the works which proceed from it that through these works we may purchase heaven thus god does not grant us heaven gratuitously from pure liberality nor simply out of fidelity to his promises but out of strict justice as a reward due to our works true god is not obliged to reward our good works for as our creator and father he might justly claim a right to all our services hence heaven is always a reward and a grace bestowed upon us sanctifying grace which makes us heirs of heaven and all the faculties by which we perform supernatural works being the gratuitous gifts of god nevertheless heaven in the words of st paul is a grace for grace namely a second grace which the first grace merits for us and for which it qualifies us for by sanctifying grace we are made partakers of the divine nature and the works which we perform are divine works thus we stand in a relation of equality to heavenly glory and when god promises us this glory he promises it as an inheritance and a reward which is not above the dignity of our person and the value of our works a king is not under an obligation to reward the services that his subjects or children are bound to give him but his children would have a right to expect a share in his authority and to inherit his riches and his kingdom it is the same with our heavenly father we have not been promised a heavenly reward for the good works which we perform by nature only for they are in no proportion whatsoever to the dignity of heavenly happiness even the supernatural works which we perform when not in a state of grace by means of actual graces and the virtues of faith and hope are not worthy of heaven for we do not yet perform those works as heirs of heaven and they can only serve to prepare our heart for this filial love and for the reception of the grace of sonship through the merits of christ but when we have actually been made children of god by grace and are united to him by filial love then all the good works that we perform with the help of grace are so many filial services which god can only reward worthily with the riches of his kingdom the infinitely precious blood of the son of god 
could alone purchase this grace for us and the virtue communicated to the works performed by us in and by it is so great as to give them a very high value in the eyes of our heavenly father the great and primary distinction between christ and ourselves is that his merit was due to his natural dignity and was so abundant that it was sufficient for all angels and all men whilst we have received our dignity through him and can merit heaven only for ourselves the children of god are led by his spirit as the apostle says and their actions become as it were the actions of christ himself he is the soul and root of their life and he works through them the divine spirit writes st francis of sales acts in by and for us so admirably that though our actions are our own they still belong more to him than to ourselves we perform them in him and by his direction while he performs them in us we act for him while he acts for us and cooperate with him while he cooperates with us again st thomas aquinas teaches that the value and merit of our actions is to be measured not by our natural power and dignity which are but finite but by the infinite power and dignity of the holy ghost who resides in us this is the reason why the apostle so often calls the holy spirit the spirit of promise the pledge of our inheritance and the surety of our reward o incomprehensible dignity o inexhaustible wealth of divine grace when shall we ever be able to appreciate this gift of god which is the source of all other blessings and gifts grace it is which causes all our actions and the sufferings and trials which we meet with in our journey through life to become so meritorious in the sight of god that it could be said of them for that which is at present momentary and light of our tribulation worketh for us above measure exceedingly an eternal weight of glory two corinthians chapter four verse seventeen what is it that gives such value to our frequently insignificant and trifling actions but divine grace without it we might perform sublime deeds conquer and convert kingdoms devote our lives to the service of god and our neighbour without meriting the smallest share of heavenly glory with grace all that we do is meritorious in his sight we have but to pronounce the holy name with devotion to offer up our actions and thoughts to god to give a cup of cold water in his name to a disciple to suffer the trials and sorrows of life in union with his and we have merited an eternal reward in grace nothing is small and insignificant dipped in grace the base metal of our actions is changed into pure gold and is made capable of purchasing heaven and the vision of god for all eternity 
again let us never forget we stand higher in the sight of god for every exercise of this privilege of accumulating merits in proportion to the love and the frequency with which we perform these acts our lord revealed to saint catherine of siena that the actions performed by men were pleasing to him not in proportion to their greatness nor to the pain and difficulty with which they were accomplished but solely by the amount of love we put into them with every degree of grace we have attained every communion we have received every mass we have assisted at with devotion the greater is our dignity in his eyes and this greater dignity is communicated to our actions and makes them more pleasing to him for in his meritorious works the christian offers up to god not only his actions but himself section ten the merit of an increased reward and dignity for all eternity is not the only fruit of the supernatural works which we perform in a state of grace they have another supreme advantage which is that they remove the obstacles which may after death delay our entrance into heaven as grace makes the good works of the children of god very pleasing to him and worthy of a heavenly reward so it makes their sufferings and trials unspeakably meritorious and acceptable to him we need only suffer with patience and resignation and god will in consideration of the high dignity with which we are invested by grace efface the stains of sin from our soul and remit their temporal punishment in the same manner as the satisfaction of christ derives its infinite value from the infinite dignity of his person rather than from the greatness of his sufferings so the pains and trials of his living members derive a value from grace which they could not otherwise possess man's ignorance of god of his holy hatred of sin of his divine justice is such that nothing is more common than to hear the purgatorial fire spoken of lightly almost as if they were of no account how different this view is to that of the saints and of all who have studied the subject in the light of the teaching of the fathers and doctors of the church we learn from them that in proportion to the greatness of god's rewards which exceed all that our imagination can picture to us is the severity of the punishment he exacts for what are sometimes spoken of as little sins which are forgotten frequently as soon as they are committed and so never repented of the revelations of the saints point to the same conclusion more than one speaks of the pains endured in these purifying fires as being greater than any known to man on earth and their long duration is one of the points on which they have specially insisted what gratitude therefore do we not owe to god for his gift of sanctifying grace whereby all our actions and especially the trials and suffering of life endured in a spirit of penance should acquire such value in his sight 
as to outweigh our ceaseless offences against him grace causes us also to participate in the merits and satisfactions of the saints as well as in those of christ himself in the words of the psalmist we can say i am a partaker with all them that fear thee and keep thy commandments by grace we enter into the most intimate and loving communion with christ and all the elect being joined with them into a mystical body whose soul is the holy spirit and we profit by their merits and intercession the merit of the saints is in itself a personal one and can only directly increase sanctifying grace for themselves nevertheless our fellowship with them in grace is so intimate that their merit also profits us and effects in us at least indirectly an increase of sanctifying grace another reason we should have for a high esteem for sanctifying grace is its power of breaking down our vicious habits and strengthening our good ones come and behold ye the works of the lord what wonders he hath done upon earth cries the inspired writer cassian applies these words to the effects of grace come and see he says how a hardened usurer is converted to liberality a spendthrift and debauchee to continency a proud man to humility a self-indulgent and delicate person to severe and zealous penance these are truly works of god and miracles which in a moment convert as in the case of matthew publicans into apostles and in that of st paul raving persecutors into most zealous preachers of the gospel in the same way st augustine testifies to the wonders the grace of god had wrought in his own nature he had long and laboriously battled with the vanities of this world with his evil habits and passions and it was only with much difficulty that he could free himself from them but when grace had suddenly burst these chains asunder he exclaimed how sweet on a sudden was it become to me to be without the sweets of those toys and what i was before so much afraid to lose i now cast from me with joy for thou o my god didst expel them from me and didst come thyself instead of them sweeter than any pleasure whatever End of chapter three section ten